Hey guys, thanks for listening to The Obsessive Viewer. I'm just breaking in here before we get started with this episode to tell you about a uh, great opportunity <laughs> that makes me sound like I'm trying to sell you something. Um, no, there is a there is a uh, crowdfunding thing going on uh, for a young kid who wants to go to Star Wars Celebration. Um, Eli's 14 years old. He was born with a brain tumor and had, had the tumor removed last year. Um... And while while that was happening, he's been through a lot of radiation and is still seeing doctors. Um, and the worst part is that it's messing with his memories and many of the memories of his favorite things like Star Wars, Doctor Who, th- those are just going away. So the, uh, the, the donation page for it is to get him... Um, get him to go to star wars celebration because it's it's not that cheap <laughs> um it's a really worthwhile call cause i'll put the links in the show notes and everything but the goal is to raise eight thousand dollars they're currently at uh as of this recording at twenty four hundred eighty five dollars um so you know if you have the means it's tax time um you've already made your donation to the obsessive viewer so go ahead and donate to this <laughs> That's terrible. No, uh, go ahead and check it out. I'll put a link in the show notes and everything. And it's also shared on the Obsessive Viewer Facebook page. Um, yeah, so go check that out. And uh, thank you. This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com, and you can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. And before we get into this week's episode, which is a potpourri, uh, an extended potpourri episode, I just want to mention that our sponsor again this week is Horror Movie Yearbook, which you can find at at HM Yearbook on Twitter and at HorrorMovieYearbook.com. It's part of the Midwest uh, Podcast Network. And uh, they are just about to release uh, an episode about the class of 1998, which is their podcast basically takes a year and examines a few different horror movies from that year and contextualizes them into the current events of that year. So I am actually really excited because they posted a... Uh, they posted a uh, tweet asking what everyone's favorite 1998 horror movie is. And there are a ton that are like really good. Like that was like when I got into the horror genre, tiny. Right. Um, let's see. I'm trying to find which ones I saw. Oh, uh, the faculty Halloween H2O and, uh, urban legend. Urban le- I was going to say urban legend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I know what you did last summer. Was that 98? Uh, I still know what you did last that summer. Was still, was. Oh boy. Yeah. So I'm how really looking I, forward. How could I not remember that? <laughs> right. What the hell is wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I'm really looking forward to that episode of Horror Movie Yearbook, which again, you can find at HM Yearbook and at HorrorMovieYearbook.com. And thank you to Horror Movie Yearbook and the Midwest Podcast Network for sponsoring this episode of the Obsessive Viewer Podcast, which tiny, I mentioned this before, but what are we talking about today? We are doing some extended potpourri. We sure are. And those for those uh 
first-time listeners of the show, uh, Extended Potpourri is essentially an extension of our potpourri segment that's in each episode of the podcast. The potpourri section is the section of the podcast where we kind of wind down and talk about things that we've watched lately, just kind of a general potpourri of things that we've watched. Um, anything we want as long as it smells good. So we're going to kind of do an, an entire episode about the stuff we've watched lately, all spoiler-free. Um, so, yeah. And uh, let's see. Before we do that, we have a few news items, Tiny, or a couple news items and one speculation thing. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it was announced uh, yesterday, I believe, that uh, Ben Affleck is no longer going to be directing The Batman uh, for DC uh, DC and Warner Brothers. Um, he's still going to be writing and starring in it. He's just going to step away from uh, the director's seat to... Uh, concentrate on it being, you know, um, <laughs> uh, concentrate on acting in it and everything. It's a commanding performance. It is. It 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 is demanding and, performance. Right. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Uh, Affleck's statement said, uh, there are certain characters who hold a special place in the hearts of millions. Performing in this role demands focus, passion, and the very best performance I can give. It has become clear that I cannot do both jobs to the level they require. Together with the studio, I have decided to find a partner and a director who will collaborate with me on this massive film. I'm still in this and we are making it, but we are currently looking for a director. I remain extremely committed to this project and look forward to bringing this to life for fans around the world. So Tiny... First of all, what did you think of that statement? Uh, it kind of sounds like, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, damage control, I would say. I, You know, I was going to say pre-damage control, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it, it feels like, okay, um, Batman versus Superman was kind of successful. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it made a pretty decent amount of money, but mm -hmm. not quite as much as they wanted. Right. Uh, was not critically acclaimed at all, and most right. people trashed a lot, so... You know, that the whole DC universe and partnered with Warner Brothers is <laughs> like really hurting right now. You right. know, with the other movies that came out that weren't very well received. So, um, I, I think, you know, initially Ben Affleck was like, yeah, let's dive into this. This is going to be a huge thing. This is the next mm -hmm. Marvel Cinematic Universe and it's not. Right. And so he's like, F that. I'm bailing up to the, you know, as far as he can. Mm -hmm. He'd probably just bail completely if I'm sure he's got some kind of contract somewhere that says he can. He's supposed to be playing Batman, so from an acting perspective, he probably has to do it right. or something like that. I don't know. Right. And plus, it's a lot of money, I'm sure. Right. You you might say, Tiny, that he is uh, that he's he's not Keaton himself. He's he's bailing, and he's he's probably going to go west. Um, uh, yeah, you can just just kill Mermy now. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. I'm, How did you do that? I'll, I don't know. I am struggling so hard to incorporate Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to get a Clooney and get out right? of there. <laughs> right. Oh, damn, that would have been good. No, nice. it wasn't. Yeah. Anyway, um, to to kind of jump off that, like I, I, you know, honestly, reading the like actual language of the statement, I'm I'm a little bit more, I'm a little less cynical, believe it or not, than than you are in that. Okay. Um, like I said, it kind of feels like pre-damage control. Um. <laughs> To put it another way, Tiny, if there's even a one percent chance that the fan base was going to lash out, he needs to he needed to squash that. Yeah. Um. To to play on the Batman v Supermanness of it. Anyway, um. The reference to the dialogue. Anyway, um. It, it kind of feels that way. Like he, like it feels like he knows. Like okay, they're not DC's extending universe is not where they want it to be. So he's just going to make sure to reinforce. Like I'm still committed to this project, guys. Right. I'm aware. I'm the. I'm kind of the bright spot of whatever the 
hell they're doing over there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but we posted a question in the Facebook group, which you can find at uh, a link to it at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer. And, uh, let's see. Um, I'm just going to read some of the comments here. Um, <laughs> Tommy day creator of by the rights, the uh, movie pitching party game, which I highly recommend checking out is it is available on Amazon and there's talk about getting him and Tony Troxel on for, to play like a game podcast version of the game. Um, nice. So hopefully we can get work that out. Um, <laughs> Tommy said they're still making DC movies, <laughs> which I got a kick out of. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Yotter from Synapshot Productions and Billy and Brandon Watch Movies uh, said, "I'm bummed, but ultimately okay with it. I'm glad they realized that writing, directing, starring in a movie uh, like this would be too much now. Instead of halfway into filming, I think he's a great director. But if they can get someone like Matt Reeves in there, uh, it will still work. Maybe they can interest Affleck in directing Flash." Which, I I like that I like that because there is there is there was talk of Matt Reeves being attached to it. He's actually one of the front runners, I think. Okay. Um, or there's a rumor that he's like the favorite to to direct it. Yeah, it'd be cool um, to see him direct one of the other DC movies. I would, yeah, I'd be all over that. I agree, and it would be cool to see Affleck do do the Flash. Yeah. Um, and I liked I, I like that Brandon uh, threw his two cents in there because he's always been kind of, um. Not he hasn't championed the DC extended universe, but it's kind of been more like a, um, it's it's been he, he's he is really pulling for it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, okay. Um, and then uh, Justin uh, said, "My hopes for DC lie in Wonder Woman and Reese uh, and Resident Badass Jason Momoa rocking Aquaman." Um, and then finally, uh, Claire said, "Can he not be Batman?" Or better yet, can DC stop using the same damn characters over and over and make something actually new? Yeah, we've got a lot of Batman. Yeah. Yeah. And like my response to that was, honestly, at this point, I would be more than fine with them rebooting their universe and starting fresh. Yeah. Because it is kind of a dumpster fire right now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right. And that is the uh, commentaries on that and everything. Um, So, yeah, the next piece of news I have is... Uh, Peter Capaldi is leaving Doctor Who at the end of this year. He is. Yep. And uh, I honestly, I haven't watched since Matt Smith left. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you watched any Capaldi? I know you saw the first episode. Didn't I saw you? the first episode and really wasn't into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time, I could not get BBC and HD. Oh. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just it did just didn't look good. And I was like, ah, I'm just gonna have to wait. I'm, I'm okay. used to waiting for Doctor Who anyway. So mm-hmm. I'm just gonna wait till it comes on Netflix. Sure. And now it's not on Netflix anymore, so I haven't right. seen I haven't seen any of the mm-hmm. Capaldi stuff. Yeah. I see. I am crazy, and uh, I I just want to go back and watch all of it, yeah. like from uh, Eccleston to Smith and then Capaldi because I'm insane. <laughs> um, it is all available on Amazon Prime, so yeah, I'm gonna have to switch over to that and yeah, and and catch up on it. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah I guess mm-hmm. Capaldi just needed to regenerate his uh, career. <laughs> you get it? I do get it. You get it. Yeah. You got it. Um He was a doctor for he'll have been the doctor for four years. That sounds about right. Doesn't feel like it. <clears throat> That's yeah, Because his last episode will be the Christmas special. Right. And that'll be like a full like four years. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel and you know, I think he'll have like not even thirty episodes as the doctor. That sounds about right. And I want to say that Moffat is leaving at the same time. Yeah. It's also, yeah. 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 Um, which we'll see. We'll see. It'll be, it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. 
I'll have to get back into it. And we'll have to do like a Doctor Who episode or something. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that was kind of a empty discussion there. Yeah. The speculation yeah. already started about who the 13th Doctor is going to be, of course. Yeah. And someone, someone said Haley Atwell. Which, oh, yeah. Honestly, I think that would be so great. Right. I'd be all over that. Yeah. Me, me too. Someone else mentioned Ava Green. Oh, really? <laughs> Which I would be, I mean, I think the white consensus is it'd be cool if it was a woman. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would too. I mean, I don't care. I think it'd be cool if it was anybody. That's not really important to me. Someone else said David Oyelowo. Um, oh, that would be cool. Which, yeah, I haven't seen him in much. I don't, I haven't seen him like be funny. Yeah, me neither. And the doctor needs to be able to, you know, deliver some one-liners and mm-hmm. some zingers. So I'm a little bit skeptical on that one. But. You know, if it wasn't uh, for age, because I would think you would, well, maybe age, age would be appropriate there. But um, if it wasn't for uh, his commitment with some movie franchise or whatever, I would say John Boyega would be kind of cool. Oh, yeah. yeah. Totally. Yep. Um, Anyways, tons yeah. of options. Anyway, yeah. Um, so then the last piece of news and whatever part of it, um, this isn't really anything, but just an update on the Dark Tower movie. We yeah. talked about it uh, endlessly. Um, in an alternate universe, we'd be a couple weeks away from it coming out because <laughs> yeah. it was originally slated for February 17th. But now it's pushed to July. I believe the date i don't think they've actually said the date but like on imdb and and on the internet they're saying july 28th okay um which is cool they need time for the visual effects i'm totally fine with that the problem is we have not seen a damn trailer yet i haven't seen and barely we saw uh, set photos like yeah four or five months ago Mm -hmm. more than that maybe yeah and there was there was talk about a trailer at christmas that didn't that didn't happen yeah there was talk of um or there was a leaked like leaked trailer that was like uh like previs or pre-visual effects shots and stuff that apparently looks terrible and and was quickly deleted from the internet as much as it could be um but all that's to say that tiny (laughs) i've been a little worried because we haven't seen any footage yet um and then i we mess we messaged about this so we can expand upon it in the podcast here but um I kind of came to a realization that as of right now, we are recording this on January 31st, 2017. This Sunday is the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, if we don't see a trailer on Super Bowl Sunday, that's when I will start getting actually concerned. Yeah. Um, because I think it would be really, really great if they uh, did a, uh, they launched the trailer on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. Um, It'd be a huge gamble, I think. Mm-hmm. Just because, just from the perspective that it's such an unknown franchise and Super Bowl ads are wicked expensive. Right. So to kick off your your advertising campaign with the Super Bowl for a not very widely known and popular franchise, I'd be a little bit surprised maybe, but at the same time, it could work brilliantly. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really hard to tell if, I don't know, I'll be worried too yeah. if, if we don't see it, but I won't be like, you know burning the place down right right yeah um i think where where i'm at with it is that it's you said not widely known and and that's that's kind of that's kind of true that's kind of fair but as of right now we have um (laughs) we have a group of dedicated dark tower fans Mm -hmm. who have read these books for decades um far longer longer than you and i have 
Um, they have grown with, with these characters and the setting and everything and everything. And it seems like a very vocal part of it are just racist assholes, um, yeah. <laughs> which I don't care. If Seriously, at this point, I, I still see uh, comments saying that they can't handle that Roland's black. I don't care. Yeah. If that's your main point, if you're going to boycott this movie because of it, then I... Y- I can't take you seriously or any opinion of your, your seriously. I just, I just can't. Yeah. Especially when it's fucking Idris Elba. God. Anyway. I know. Um, so, so we have kind of a splinter of like in the group of, of diehard dark tower fans that would be the fan base for this, for this movie franchise, um, that are angry about it because they're racist assholes. Um, so I think that it would be a little bit of a gamble. Um, to do a Super Bowl ad, but also that would, I mean, obviously get it in front of as many eyes as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, it will, uh, if it's a well done trailer, it could blow people's minds and, and really get jumpstart this, this, uh, mainstream marketing campaign for it. Yeah. Um, hopefully they don't fumble it or anything. Hopefully it's, <laughs> it leads to a touchdown of opening, yeah. Weekends, but but we talked about it in in our private chat. But it is a gamble. But also, this is a fairly low budget movie uh, that they hope to expand into a franchise. Mm-hmm. So they haven't they haven't spent that much money just creating the movie. Um, granted, I don't know how it's going in terms of post production and any if it's on budget or not. But they haven't spent a, a lot of money on it. So if they could, I mean, I could see them throwing a couple million at a at a, a Super Bowl ad getting it like being that that being the introduction of of the movie to the mass audience like that kind of audience for the opening opening trailer I mean that could win back that money in the opening weekend yeah in my opinion totally um but we'll see hopefully hopefully we'll have uh hopefully we'll have a trailer if we do tiny I think we maybe we can get a bonus episode discussing it. Totally. I'd like okay, good. Yeah. Good, good. I still need to read the last two books. I need to read the last four. Gotcha. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I'll get into that. Oh, actually that's a hey, that's a really good transition to our extended potpourri. Hey. Yeah. So once again, extended potpourri, we're just talking about movies and uh shows and, and the like that we've watched lately and uh, kinda gonna give our thoughts on uh, what we've watched lately, kind of a laid back episode here. Um, and part of the reason for doing this is because recently we've had, like we had the big 200th episode where we talked about movie, uh, t- favorite TV shows. We had, um, before that we had the year in review. Then before that we had the rogue one episode. So we've had episodes where we haven't had a chance to do a, a real true potpourri section. Um, so yeah, so let's get right into it. Um, going off of your comment about reading books, uh-huh. um, uh, this first thing I'm going to go ahead and bring us into the into the episode. This first one is not a movie or show. Um, so when Mike was on for the year in review episode, he mentioned audiobooks and he mentioned Audible. So I decided to check it out. Um, they're not sponsoring it, so I don't. We're not going to go into the the, the minutia of of audible, but, um, basically I got an audible subscription, um, and I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks. and the book that I'm listening to now is TV, the book by Alan Seppenwall and Matt Zoller sites. Uh, Matt Zoller sites is one of the writers for Roger Ebert.com. 
And Alan Seppenwall is, uh, I believe he writes for hitfix.com. Um, they're two really well respected, uh, critics, um, and every, and really just really well respected critics. Um, so, um, oh, hey, that's nice. Matt Solarsight's actually retweeted my, uh, my, uh, my tweet. Anyway. Nice. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, I've been listening to their book, uh, TV the book, which they both narrate. TV the book is essentially a, a book of essays where they are endeavoring to create a canon of the top 100, um, American television shows. Wow. Yeah. And the criteria that they base this on is that, um, the, the shows have to be completed, um, with a couple asterisks, there, okay. uh, such as like the Simpsons. Gotcha. Um, and the way that they do it is they, <laughs> it's kind of funny. They break it down into different categories. So they have like, they have a rating scale for like, um, uh, for like innovation, consistency, and, uh, and just a bunch of, a bunch of other things, uh, longevity, like different, uh, different criteria for, for their ratings and everything. So the way that, uh, they have it structured is it's basically, they have, uh, a really good, like introduction part of it where it's, it's amazing because if you're not a fan of like audiobooks, um, I'm just basing this off of the audiobook version of it, but, um, if you're not a fan of audiobooks, it's a good introduction to it because their, in- their, uh, introduction is eventually, is a, uh, essentially them back and forth, um, talking about it. It feels like a discussion. Oh, cool. Which is really cool. And, uh, and then from there, they go into their canon. So they go into the going from one to 100. They have a special section where, uh, for the number one was a five way tie. Wow. Um, yeah. And I'll just, uh, go ahead and just mention what the t- five way tie was. Okay. Uh, the five way tie was between, uh, the Simpsons, the Sopranos, the wire, cheers and breaking bad. Nice. Yeah. And so like the opening of the book is them deciding what, like where, like what place those shows fall in. Hmm. Um, and then every, every section after that is essentially an essay about, uh, an essay, sometimes two essays about each show. So hmm. they like, they're going through, they're going through their 100 best shows and they're just like narrating the essays that they wrote. And like, these guys are just so great. Um, they mm-hmm. obviously they're professional critics and everything. And I mean, their, their writing is beautiful and they speak so eloquently about, about the shows and they go into like the, um, the, the high points, low points and everything. And they have just a really good summation of each show. Um, some of them, and this is kind of a fault of, of listening to it on an audiobook format, but, um, some of them I've had to skip over. Cause I didn't want to get spoiled. It's mm-hmm. so like Battlestar Galactica, um, justified, but it's really cool and it's very thorough. And I, I really, I'm really enjoying it. And it's a TV, the book, um, it's available pretty much anywhere. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes and everything with an affiliate link. So if you buy it, you'll give us money, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's really good. I'm enjoying it. Um, yeah. And that would have been a good one to bring up for our favorite TV shows episode. <laughs> nice. But yeah. Um, Tiny, or do you have any interest in checking that out? Definitely, yeah. Nice. I need to get into audiobooks. I, dude, I, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Like, I, with like the state of the world and yeah. the affection that I have for the Hamilton soundtrack, <laughs> um, I've added a ton of like, um, uh, historical nonfiction books to my, to my wish list. Nice. And it's like, I mean, 
like you had the you had the idea to to read uh each biography of each president mm-hmm. i'm just like i i feel like i could do that <laughs> oh that'll never happen for me yeah oh yeah this is uh, way too me ambitious. neither me neither <laughs> but um like i'm just thinking like oh there's there's this one this one this one yeah uh but anyway um yeah so cool yeah um so tiny what's your first one uh my first one is the girl on the train nice. which i watched with my fiance the other night mm-hmm. uh she was really into it um the book was really popular i don't even remember the author um but it was it's it's like a i don't know what do you call it, like a harlequin novel or a love romance novel is i always thought of it like uh from my perception of it just based on judging it by its cover was like a uh is it like a mystery like gone girl-esque mystery novel uh i think so but it's more like trashy love sex novel oh really yeah like it's i had no idea it's like the best-selling one of all time oh wow yeah i don't know eat your heart off 50 shades of gray right right (laughs) um so obviously i think it's a little bit there's a comparison there between those two okay it's way better than 50 shades of gray yeah um but it still wasn't great really it was it was a it, it was a decent movie uh, the summation, uh, the summary on IMDb says a divorcee becomes entangled in a missing persons investigation that promises to send shockwaves throughout her life. Okay. Um, another summation is a bunch of beautiful, beautiful people have sex with each other and none of them are happy. Oh, um, nice. that's kind of the best way to put it. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's got a great cast. Emily Blunt, mm-hmm. uh, Justin Thoreau, Luke Evans, Edgar Ramirez, Laura Prepon, oh. um, Haley Bennett. Did I say her? No. Um, Rebecca Ferguson. I, I wasn't familiar with those last two, but uh, it's got a good cast. Um, and Haley Bennett was really good in this. Nice. Um, I hadn't seen her in much. Um, she's kind of like the the really slutty girl in this okay. in this movie, but she's really slutty because she has issues. Oh. Um, she was in The Equalizer, Magnificent Seven, Marley and Me. Okay. Um, I hadn't really. I, I just had no memory of her. Um, mm-hmm. She's really like stunningly gorgeous nice. um but yeah she but like she wasn't just what i appreciate about appreciated about her character is that she's the she's the um the one who's having the affair with the married man you know okay. so she's typically that's like the trashy girl or like the not a lot of depth to that kind of character but there's like some sure. they, they show there's some scenes where she's like in session with a psychiatrist Okay, and she's like really a troubled person, and it's she did a really good job portraying that. So I was, I was surprised to see that much depth in that kind of character. I thought that was kind of a fresh twist on, on that whole um, dynamic. I thought that was that was well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin Thoreau was kind of playing a typical character for him, I think, but he he was still good. I like him. Um, and then Emily Blunt's character is kind of like the lead, the main character, and she's. Okay. I just wasn't crazy about the character. She was just hard to, um, she's our, our path through the story and she's just so messed up. It's kind of hard to keep track of everything. Um, but it, it was an interesting movie. It was, it was filmed really well. Um, and it's, it's an interesting story and stuff like that, but it's just, I don't know. It just felt kind of, um, I'm just kind of annoyed by these kind of movies. Like you're all really beautiful and you're having sex with each other. Be happy. Like <laughs> just be happy. You know. I don't know. Well, sometimes life isn't about uh, sex, tiny. I disagree. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> no, I. I don't know. I just. Uh, it. It was okay. Um, okay. Yeah, and it kind of has a bit of a. I don't know if I'd say it has a twist. Okay. But there's kind of a something gets flipped 
uh, toward towards the end in the the climax mm-hmm. of the movie, and it's kind of it kind of threw me for a loop, and I was kind of surprised. It was uh, nice. it was interesting. There is a murder mystery involved in this okay. as well, um, so it's it throws that in the mix. Um, it was it was a decent movie. I gave it a six out of ten. Sure, uh, okay. it was okay. The director uh, Tate Taylor apparently people were saying things. Oh, he did like the help. Um, okay. Winter's Bone, mm-hmm. some other ones. Um, yeah, I I wasn't overly familiar with his work. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was. I mean, I liked it. Nice. Okay. I like I liked his work. I'm saying the movie was okay. Gotcha. I liked his work though. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know that was a movie that I kind of was a little bit curious about, but just never got around to seeing. So yeah, I might continue that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, my next one is Why Him? Wow, you saw that. I did. And, uh, it's a Christmas, it's a Christmas comedy movie. <laughs> and I saw it January 11th. Uh, so some of the Christmas season aspect of it was a little lost on me. Um, but you know, it, the movie interests me, interested me because it's got, I mean, it's James Franco and, uh, Brian Cranston. Kind of a silly comedy, R-rated comedy. Yeah. So um, the plot description real quick is a holiday gathering threatens to go off the rails when Ned Fleming realizes that his daughter's Silicon Valley billionaire boyfriend is about to pop the question. So um, this movie was not great. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's kind of it's not it's not terrible. It's it's watch. It's serviceable. Um, the director is John Hamburg, who did I Love You, Man, which is one of my, maybe one of my favorite comedies of the past decade or so. Nice. Um, yeah. And this movie kind of, uh, kind of just didn't deliver on the comedy that well. Um, I liked the dynamic between, uh, Franco and Cranston, but, it was just a, some of it was just a little bit forced. Um, Franco's this eccentric billionaire who's has no filter, um, throughout the movie, which, which is, it's, that's a good breeding ground for comedy, but just a lot of the comedy just fell kind of flat to me. Like there's this whole, uh, thing with, uh, um, oh God, with, um, a, a, an art piece that's like a stuffed buffalo that's encased in, in a uh, glass thing, in a glass enclosure that's covered in its own, like the water in it is the buffalo's own urine. Okay, and it's it's really weird, like that that exists, like it's a it's a weird like introduction to the characters, like oh I have this thing here, it's it's used strictly as foreshadowing or as like setup for something that would pay off later. But right, um, one of the things that I found kind of peculiar about this movie is that. The trailer seems to hint at a subplot that is entirely just excised from the entire movie, the finished product. <laughs> so uh, Cranston finds out that Franco is about to propose to his daughter and to Cranston's daughter. And um, in the trailer, there's a scene where Cranston is trying to warn his daughter about the proposal. And it's 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 hinted at that this is a big part of the movie, but it's, that's nowhere to be found. It's, it's more just him dealing with, uh, getting, uh, with the, with the fact that his, that his daughter is about to get engaged, I guess. Um, and it's, it just kind of fell flat. There's this, 
there's one setup that I thought was really there was one thing that was set up that I wish would have been paid off better, but it's uh James Franco is talking in private to uh Brian Cranston and somehow the word bukaki comes up <laughs> and Cranston doesn't understand what it means. So <laughs> Franco just says like, Oh, it means like a really crazy situation. Um, <laughs> and like that had, that's a decent setup, but the payoff was just, it fell flat um, to me. Um, so yeah, so this, this, this movie didn't cover my face in anything. <laughs> it just, it just kind of, it came and went. <laughs> nice. I saw, I saw the movie and it's, it's, I mean, it's, I've talked too much about it really. It's kind of one of those forgettable comedies. Um, it wasn't anything terrible, but nothing to write home about. Okay. And that's why him. Tiny, what's your next one? Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'm surprised you paid money to see that. Well, movie pass. Oh yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Good call. Yep. Uh, up next, another crapper. Uh, well, this one's really crappy. Gods of Egypt. Oh, nice. This was totally the result of like, it was a Friday night mm-hmm. and I was going to be home alone and I did, I didn't want to gotcha. go anywhere. It was like, I'm going to ride the couch mm-hmm. and I don't want to think, I just want to watch something stupid or nice. like, I just wanted to watch something blow up or, mm-hmm. you know, like just totally switch off the brain. Sure. You know? And so I was just flipping through you know, the movie channels and I was looking at, uh, Amazon prime and Netflix and stuff. And I was like, I went over to HBO go and they had this. I was like, perfect. (laughs) Um, it has a 5.5 rating on IMDb and that is really generous. (laughs) This movie was horrible. Do you want to read the plot description? Yes. The plot description, uh, mortal hero Beck teams with the God Horus in an alliance against set the merciless God of darkness who has usurped Egypt's throne plunging the once peaceful and prosperous empire into chaos and conflict. Mm-hmm. That is, that description had eons more eloquence than the movie did itself. <laughs> um, the premise, the premise of it is also that like God, like the gods are like, like human form type people who literally rule Egypt, like physically. I don't okay. know if that's part of, Egypt's Egypt's religion. I don't know, but it it was weird because like like so okay. Nik- Nikolai Custer Waldo uh, of the Lannisters from Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. uh, and Gerard Butler and Chadwick Boseman and some other people are gods. Like they're Set and Horus and Isis and Osiris and stuff. Okay, but they're they're like they look like humans, but they're like fifty percent taller. Okay, okay. So it's all like the fucking hobbits in Lord of the Rings, how they make him look like little people. Okay. That's the whole movie. Jeez. Yeah. It's, it's really stupid. So like all the gods are like nine, 10 feet tall and mm-hmm. for like no reason. It just, does, it's just dumb. It, it was such a stupid choice. Um, <laughs> so this also, it takes place obviously in Egypt. Mm-hmm. They could have filmed the whole thing in Iowa. Oh, really? There was so much CGI. Oh, Every single background was green. Green screen and just just CGI'd it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, very few, very few like physical props and sets. It was, and it was blatant. Like not that the the effects were really bad or anything, right. but you know there was just no. You could tell. You could just tell everything right. was just CGI. So that was really annoying. Um, kind of the lead, the the mortal guy Beck, um, mm-hmm. 
is played by an actor I'd never heard of, an Australian guy named Brenton Thwaites, okay. um, which I just want to punch that name in the face. <laughs> um, he is like way too good looking. Okay. Like, like to the point where it looks like I, he, he might be a robot. Someone may have built him in a lab. Okay. It just he like he was just you cannot buy him. I, I could not buy him as a character at all. He's just too. Okay. He needs to be a model or something. He's too good looking, um, which is a weird thing. Um, and Chadwick Boseman I love Chadwick Boseman everything I've ever seen him in he's been like such a wonderful surprise and just a delightful actor to watch dive into a character I've loved Chadwick Boseman and god he sucked in this the character was so stupid uh, he played Thoth, which I don't know anything about that. God, I got nothing. The God of Wisdom or something. I don't know. Sure. It, it was, he was using this ridiculous accent. Mm-hmm. It, it was bad. Um, the only quasi likable character was played by Elodie Young, who played Elektra in Daredevil. Oh, okay. Uh, which I, lo- I loved her as Elektra. Yeah. She's great. Um, she played Hathor. I don't know what that guy, I don't know. Sure. Uh, it was, she's a god. It's a god of some kind. Um, but yeah, she, she was quasi interesting, um, in this movie, but that, that was about it. Every, everything was just so, I don't know the, the fact that everything was like, this is one of the most egregious examples of whitewashing I've ever seen yeah. in the history of none of these people are even the closest person who is even close to Egyptian would be Chadwick Boseman because he's black. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is the white, white, Jeez. um, Nikolai Coster-Waldo is like Dutch or something. I don't know. Gerard mm-hmm. Butler's Scottish. Brennan Thwaites is Australian. Um, even uh, Elodie Young, who is not like, doesn't look like a, like a white person, basically. She's right. she's French and, oh gosh, Cambodian. Oh. So she's Asian. I mean, it's like, like they didn't <laughs> even try. I mean, it's just, they didn't try to have anyone that was remotely Egyptian or, Jeez. you know. Uh, it was... It, it was just really bad. Um, wow. the, and the script was terrible. The plot was predictable. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I really didn't care for it. Oh, um, oh, what's his name? Jeffrey Rush. Okay. Must have needed a paycheck or something. Really? Uh, wow. He played Raw. Okay. Um, which I, I thought one of the other things I thought was kind of cool was the depiction of Ra, who is the sun god. Mm-hmm. So they, they depicted him like on this vessel that oh. was like towing the sun. Okay. Up in space. It was, it was sort of cool. I gave him a little bit of credit for that. It was kind of sure. a cool, cool thing. But, uh, the, the movie was just really bad. That sucks. It, it, it was, uh, it should never have been made. Wow. So, suffice it to say, you're not saying rah rah for this? Not so much. Okay. Not so much. That's I what I thought. Can't, <laughs> can't even enjoy your puns right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Well, uh, I mean, if you can't enjoy my puns now, wait until you hear what I'm going to bring up uh, <laughs> here. <laughs> now. Uh, last night, Tiny, I went and saw a feature film at the cinema called The Founder. Yes. Yes. And uh, it led to perhaps one of my most proudest moments on on facebook and, and it was Twitter. a good one thank you uh so to preface this uh the founder is a uh um, the story of ray Kroc, a salesman who turned two brothers innovative fast food eatery mcdonald's into one of the biggest restaurant businesses in the world with a combination of ambition persistence and ruthlessness 
stars Michael Keaton as Ray Kroc. And it led to one of my most satisfying Facebook posts that I've had. I don't care. I'm shameless. I really enjoyed it. Um, I put, I posted a status saying, just saw the founder about Ray Kroc and the founding of McDonald's. I thought it was an interesting story, but it felt a little long. So you might say it could have worked better as a quarter founder, which I was super proud of. But no, um, anyway, um, the founder is pretty interesting. As I said, it, it is an interesting story. I, I find myself taken with these stories of like ambitious, like business starts. Um, like I loved the social network and to the founder's fault, it is somewhat of a social network, um, uh, not ripoff, but it's like, it's like they took the story of Ray Kroc, which admittedly I don't know much about, but it's like they took the story and they kind of presented it in a way that's very much the way that social network is. And Mm. I mean, part of that is, I mean, they're similar stories. This guy basically uh, created the McDonald's corporation and kind of usurped the founding members or the, the people who created the, the restaurant out of their business. Um, so it is, so it is a similar story. It's just told in a similar manner manner. And that's not to say it's cutting back and forth between court proceedings or anything like that. It's just the way that like the way the movie builds to certain uh, climactic moments and certain, certain dramatic moments feel very much like, this what this is what worked with Sorkin and Fincher and the social network. Let's do the same thing here. Okay. Yeah. Um and I will say that honestly, like um I didn't make that pun just to make that pun. <laughs> um it it is genuine. Like the first there's a scene kind of in the opening of the movie where Ray Kroc meets the McDonald brothers. Uh Ray Kroc is played by Michael Keaton. The McDonald's brothers are played by John Carroll Lynch and Nick Offerman. Awesome. So so great. Like they they're that's such great casting. Yes. They're not necessarily wasted, but they are kind of pushed aside cuz it is uh-huh. it is it's it's Michael Keaton's show yeah. there. Um and the way that they introduce those characters as Michael Keaton visits the McDonald's restaurant, the only one that exists at the time. And he basically meets with them because he's a milkshake salesman or a milkshake mixer salesman. And they've ordered six mixers and he's perplexed by this. So he goes to visit them, gets a tour of the restaurant. They show him (laughs) they're They're presented as these kind of uh, very good natured down home people who are very open to, you know, just, Hey, here's this really innovative restaurant design that we've created. Um, and so there's a sequence where they're all having dinner and they are telling Ray Kroc the story of McDonald's from the, when they started it as a drive-in, uh, um, restaurant and how it evolved and how it, how they worked out a system and how they did all that. And the entire time, like they're, like they're telling the story at a, at a restaurant at a dinner setting and we're seeing like little snippets and little tiny like vignettes of them throughout all of these, these trials and tribulations. And all I kept thinking was, this is the movie I want to see. <laughs> I want to see a movie about these two brothers creating this, this, this restaurant and struggling and failing. Cause I, I mean, I am such a, I'm so fascinated by that type of story, like story of people creating 
their own business or creating like starting their own thing and, and building it into something that's, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I mean, come on, we've been podcasting for three and a half years and now we have a Facebook group that has like 23 people. So yeah. I think, I think you guys can understand. Right. Seriously, go to facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer, join the Facebook group. <laughs> um, no, but, um, but yeah, I just, I'm, I'm really attracted to those kinds of stories. And so this movie is, it kind of muddles itself with the story of Ray Kroc and, and how he transitioned that into basically usurping these brothers from their, from their business. And it's an interesting story. And the way that he, the way that he maneuvers this and, and works around some things and he, like his whole pitch is that he's, that they need to franchise this restaurant and knowing that this is going to become one of the biggest corporations in, in, in the country, in the world. I mean, you know where it's going to lead. Um, and that's, that's interesting in its own right, but I don't think it's enough to really sustain the full movie because they, once it gets to that point where he's franchising different restaurants and everything, he, it kind of gets away from, from the brothers. And those, I think they're, they're kind of the heart of the story. They're the Eduardo Savron of, of the, of the story. Mm-hmm. And they're literally pushed aside and they're just basically, their scenes are them talking on the phone to Ray Kroc and reacting to things that he's doing. And I think that that does a disservice to the movie in a pretty big way and the story because it becomes about Ray Kroc creating this empire and uh, not about the brothers who lost so much. So interesting. Yeah. So I had high hopes for it. Um, I wouldn't say it's a bad movie. Um, it was, it was interesting and, and watchable and good for what it was. I just think that the story and the way that it was, uh, created, I, I think that, I think that there is a much better movie that could have been made out of the story, but the one we got's okay. Okay. Yep. And Michael Keaton does a fantastic job. Nice. As always. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and that's the founder and I saw it in the theater. Uh, Tiny, what's your next one? Cool. Um, up next for me is a very overlooked movie, I think, from 2015 called mm-hmm. American Ultra. Okay. Yeah. Um, you may remember the trailers. Uh, basically, the synopsis says uh, a stoner who is, in fact, a government agent is marked as a liability and targeted for extermination. But he's too well-trained and too high for them to handle. Um, that's <laughs> For me, that, that's kind of a, a, a funny... A funny premise, you know, mm-hmm. there's kind of a, a th- that's a funny premise. There's been a lot of, not necessarily a lot, but there's been, uh, you know, an influx over the past decade or so of secret agent movies, uh, specifically secret agents who don't know they're secret agents, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you say the right phrase to him and it triggers him and he turns into a killing machine. Um, so that's, that's kind of a cookie cutter scenario. Mm-hmm. And so they're taking that and applying it to a stoner. What if that guy was a stoner, you know, okay. in, in a nowhere town in West Virginia? Um, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's a, it's a funny premise and I appreciate that. And I like the casting of Jesse Eisenberg. You know, I wouldn't expect him for that role. It's funny. Right. Um, so in that, res- I, I, I like it from that perspective, but I just don't think they quite got it for this. Um, the, the the funniest ongoing joke is that, you know, he he gets activated, mm-hmm. but he's high because he smokes a lot of weed. Okay, so that's that's funny. And so like throughout it, there's he's presented with these scenarios where he needs to think his way out, but he's dumb because he's high. It's okay. it's it, that's that's a funny idea, and that sure. that works a few times throughout the movie. But 
I feel like there was a ton of potential for that to be like hilarious mm-hmm. and it wasn't hilarious. It was just kind of funny. Um, there's, there's some decent action. Um, the female lead is Kristen Stewart. Mm-hmm. Take that as you will. Right. Um, I really don't have much of a problem with her, but so many people seem to hate her for whatever yeah, reason. And, and that seems like a role that she would be kind of better suited for. Kind of Is she also kind of like a stoner character in it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She, I mean, she seems like she'd be suited for that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I liked her fine in this movie. Um, some of the other notable casting is Connie Britton, uh, John Leguizamo, who... I used to love, he's such an overactor. He overacts like crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Topher Grace, Walton Goggins. Uh, oh, nice. Tony Hale, Bill Pullman. Dang. Pretty, pretty solid cast. Um, mm-hmm. Of note is, or something I wanted to mention was Topher Grace, who, I again, I feel like I used to like really like that guy and be like, oh, Topher mm-hmm. Grace is in this. That's cool. But I feel like over the last five to seven years ever since spider-man three really mm-hmm. he's basically like a character actor he, he's kind he has definitely receded in, into kind of just not not really the limelight yeah he's not yeah. noteworthy anymore um yeah. interstellar yeah why was he in that movie right you know like I, it didn't make any sense mm-hmm. um yeah so and, and this was kind of another he was just playing a, he was he was literally playing a suit Mm-hmm. He was a CIA suit. I mean, just not okay. not an interesting character at all. Not that he was particularly bad or anything. He was fine, but just I don't know. I feel like he has more more potential than that. Okay, he, he's just not using it. I don't know. Um, so yeah, it was it was an okay movie. Um, again, the premise is really clever, and I feel like in the right hands, it could have been it could have been a pretty cool movie. It could have been zom- it could have been Zombielandish. Oh, interesting. Um, linked to Jesse Eisenberg there, but I think I think it had the potential to be that good and it just it unfortunately didn't quite deliver. I gave it uh, a 6 out of 10. Okay. Well, so, sure. Yeah, it was it was okay. Okay, nice. And that is American Ultra. Yep. And did you watch that on Netflix or anything? Amazon Prime. Amazon it's Prime. free. It's gotcha. part of Prime membership on there, nice. so. Yeah. Sweet. Um, my next one is a movie that I, I am racking my, racking my brain trying to think if I mentioned this on the podcast. I don't think I did, but it's, uh, Nocturnal Animals. Nice. It's the Tom Ford movie, uh, that Tiny, you mentioned in an episode, um, a while ago. Yeah. Uh, about was, one you were looking forward to. Yeah. I was pretty enthusiastic about it and lost most of that enthusiasm. Yeah. It's <laughs> so, okay. The, 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 uh, and this has been a while since I've seen it, so so bear with me. Um, the plot description is, A wealthy art gallery owner is haunted by her ex-husband's novel, a violent thriller she interprets as a symbolic revenge tale. So this movie kind of has a dual narrative kind of structure. Um, it's based on a novel by Austin Wright. Um, this story is basically, you have the story of Amy Adams' um, doing her art gallery owner thing um, and reading this manuscript that her ex-husband has sent to her just kind of out of the blue. Uh, She's, she's remarried. She has, she has a husband, a a nice wealthy life and everything. So out of the blue, she receives this, this manuscript that says something to the effect of uh, um, I, I was inspired to, to write this or, or something like that. And like, she's, it's dedicated to her. So the story, then, then the, then the movie breaks off into a separate concurrent storyline. That's, that's the story of the novel. So it's like this family, um, 
played by <laughs> in the movie played by Jake Gyllenhaal and I want to say that Isla Fisher plays yeah uh, Isla Fisher plays her in in the story which it's it's really funny cuz I've like they Isla Fisher and Amy Adams look exactly alike yeah, so much Yeah they do Yeah and uh like stupid like ignorance on my part um <laughs> the uh when I was watching it, I thought that it was the same person that was in. <laughs> I really did. So I was sitting there, like thinking, like, man, wow, Amy Adams really does look like Isla Fisher. <laughs> um, so it's the story of how uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, like, they're going, they're going on a family trip, and then they get um, uh, pulled over by a group of kind of like, like, kind of country hoodlums um and then things happen okay and so i won't go into detail about what it is it's kind of kind of shocking and and pretty you know gritty and and interesting um so you have both of these storylines going concurrently we have amy adams reading it and and you know reflecting on it and then we see the story play out as if it is as if we're watching that story play out so it's an interesting structure. I can respect the movie and I do respect the movie for what it did because it, it juggled two different things. And there are some really interesting connections that I, that I didn't really make until kind of like late in the movie and, and until like on the drive home from the theater when I saw it, um, thinking like what, like just the implications of scenes, um, and what they mean after you have the whole picture is, is really kind of, really fascinating and the way that they they underplay these really big dramatic moments and they they could have done these things that could be really huge reveals um but they have it kind of kind of sedated and and planted early in in the movie and it kind of has something that you can kind of work out um after the experience um and i would be remiss if i didn't mention that in the story section of the movie uh michael shannon plays a detective um and uh aaron taylor johnson plays kind of the leader of the of the uh the guys who who attack the family Hmm. and they both give really great performances um really fantastic um but i don't know ultimately the movie didn't really like it didn't make my top 10 didn't make my honorable mentions it just kind of was a little bit underwhelming to me um, also it opens with this really strange thing that, that it, it wasn't really a mark against the movie, but it was, um, the opening credits. It's one of the more interesting opening credit sequences I've ever seen in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it opens with, um, very, um, large women dancing burlesquely okay in the nude and it, it's really it's interesting as like an art piece and i read that tom ford um included that in the movie as kind of a statement against our culture and, and how we view women and everything mm-hmm. which totally respect that totally understand where where it's coming from honestly i don't see how it fit in the movie that he was in the story that it was being told and the movie that that it was yeah. um and so it just kind of it was kind of a head scratcher. Um, so that was kind of, that was kind of bizarre, but, uh, the movie overall I thought was just pretty solid. Um, again, it didn't make my top 10 list or anything like that, but I don't regret seeing it. And it, it left me with some pretty interesting, uh, 
interesting thoughts coming out of it. Um, I kind of went in with a little bit of a bias thinking that it would be more of a thriller and suspense thing. Like I kind of interpreted the plot as being about her viewing the, the manuscript as a threat at her Mm -hmm. and thinking that it was her, that was him like coming to kill her. But it's not that it's more contemplative. It's more reflective on their relationship told in the story. Um, and the way that they kind of tie that back together is at times really, really fulfilling for, for an audience member. And at other times it's like, okay, I get why, like, I understand now why this is a part of the story, but this doesn't like, I just, it doesn't make sense. Like, why is it such an, uh, why is it, why are we having such prom- prominence on this one scene and it, it's relation to the story being told hmm. when it's just literally like the make of a car. It's kind of kind of weird, but interesting. Yeah, so so it, it, I mean, it was it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Not really great, but it was pretty good. And that's nocturnal animals, and uh, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. You, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I was. It, it piqued my interest because it was uh, you know Tom Ford, who's a multifaceted artist and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and you know not necessarily known for filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was Jake Gyllenhaal, so yeah. I was like, you know, and Jake Gyllenhaal was was really fantastic in it as well. Um, I didn't mean to kind of give him the shaft on that. He, I mean, he's been doing such amazing work lately. Right. And, uh, nocturnal animals is, is, is another good entry in that. Um, I would say that Aaron Taylor Johnson kind of stole the show from him though. Okay. Um, yeah, nothing wrong with that. Yep. Cool. Um, he kind of stole it in kind of a very, if you view the, if you view the theater as like a silver screen, it's kind of a quick silver kind of way. Oh, he stole it. Yeah. Was it pretty badass? Uh, hey kick ass kick ass fuck yeah. it was it was totally godzilla <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah oh boy okay what's your next one tiny uh my next one is also a very underappreciated film from uh 2013 called the railway man um I, yeah what you you mentioned this before we were recording and yeah. i mean i've got nothing yeah it's on netflix mm-hmm watch the shit out of it that's my initial uh recommendation uh it's based on a book by eric lomax it is a based on a true story um the synopsis on imdb says um a former british army officer who was tormented as a prisoner of war at a japanese labor camp during world war ii Mm -hmm. discovers that the man responsible for much of his treatment is still alive and sets out to confront him Oh wow! Yeah, and it, it's it's a true story, uh, which blew me away. I thought maybe it was a dramatization as I was watching the movie, and then at the end they were like, "This is a true story." And they show pictures of the dudes. It's it's really it's, it's just one of those incredible, um, the truth is stranger than fiction kind of situations. Okay, um, remarkable true story. Uh, the lead is uh, Colin Firth, um, and one of the other the female lead is um, Nicole Kidman, Stellan Skarsgård also. Um, is one of the other notable actors. Um, And then the Japanese officer, the adult, older version of the Japanese officer is played by uh, Hiroyuki Sanada of uh, Sunshine. Oh, yeah. Lost fame. Who is awesome. Every time I see him, he's -hmm. he's great. Um, So, yeah, this movie was really incredible. I I really love the way it was structured because, you know, it has that, it has this incredible story of a man being tortured for a long time uh, during a time of war, and it it ruins his life, uh, absolutely ruins his life. But they don't start there. It's it's really fascinating. It starts out with it, it starts out with basically like a meet cute, mm. where he meets Nicole Kidman on a train, 
and he is a it's called the railway man because he's a train enthusiast okay. um which is kind of a goofy thing um he's he's a he's a nerd he's a giant nerd uh mm-hmm. who who loves trains um and so he meets Nicole Kidman on a train and they have a conversation about um where the different railways go in England and that he's ridden like every mile of rail in England because he just loves trains. Okay. Um, so it starts out there and they fall in love and they get married and then she finds out that he basically has PTSD mm-hmm. because he's so messed up from being tortured by uh, the Japanese uh, in a, in a Japanese labor camp during world war two. Um, and you know, he finds out, finds out that this guy's still alive and goes to confront him and, and the movie goes from there. Okay. Um, it's, it's just such a powerful, such a powerful story. You know, they, they show flashbacks of this guy being tortured and it's, it's really, it's really hard to watch. It made me think of, uh, like zero dark 30, you know, okay. sitting through those torture scenes. It, it makes you uncomfortable and it's supposed to. And, and that's, that's the right kind of reaction to have, even though you don't enjoy having it. It influences the story so well that it has to be in there. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't shy away from the fact that there has to be torture in the movie. Okay. Um, so I, I think they, they make good choices in that respect. Um, Colin Firth, he's just, he's one of the best, he's one of the best act, working actors right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely loved him in this. Um, the, the, I, I just, it's such a bummer that so many people have never heard of this movie. It's, it's really a shame. My, uh, my future mother-in-law actually told me about it. Okay. Um, and I'm thankful because it was, it's just a really great movie. And I think so many people have never heard of it. I, I don't even know if it was in theaters very mm-hmm. long. Uh, and it's really a shame because it's, it's such an incredible movie. I don't want to tell you much more about it because I don't want to spoil anything. Um, it's, it's a fantastic movie. Great performances. Um, it's beautiful. I think some of it was filmed. Um, maybe on location in uh, uh, Singapore or Southeast Asia where, okay. where he was imprisoned by the Japanese army. Um, and then also he lives uh, as, as a, an older man uh, married to Nicole Kidd and he lives in the highlands like Scotland area, mm-hmm. which is just incredible, uh, incredible geography. Uh, it's, it's a really, it's such a great movie. Please. I mean, the story, it's just like one of those, one of those stories that, <clears throat> It's it's just unbelievable that it's actually true. Nice. Um, or I mean, it's, not nice, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just it's shockingly true. I'll put it that way. Okay. Um, really great movie. Again, Netflix. Go check it out. You can also rent it on Amazon Video for three bucks. So oh, okay. totally, it's totally worth three bucks. Great movie. Sweet. Uh, cool. I will have to check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Next up for me, and how many more do you have? Uh, I just have one more. One more. Okay, uh, next up for me is, uh, Battlestar Galactica. I, I won't talk very much about it because I am actually, I talked about it months ago when I finished season one and I'm just kind of checking in on it now. Um, I'm almost done with season two, kind of going at a very slow pace. Um, but, uh, I have one episode left in season two, so I've watched the first half of the season finale, uh, uh, lay down your burdens. And I'm really liking the way that this show is evolving. Um, with its narrative, it started out as, you know, uh, something like 48,000 humans, um, escaping a Cylon attack on, on Caprica and kind of surviving in space as they're being per- in pursuit of Cylons. And season two kind of took this, uh, took the story and kind of evolved it a little bit. The first season had a kind of a heavy base in like, uh, like religious, 
zealotry to an extent and religious the like the religions of the world of Battlestar Galactica. And here in season two, there's a little bit of that, but it's more about kind of the uh, interminglings between the characters aboard the aboard the ship, and and there is or among the fleet rather, and kind of it has some interesting stuff with the uh, govern governing of the of the uh, the surviving humans, and um, it's just it's it, it's really uh, kept my interest quite a bit. There's some interesting stuff going on. Uh, the first season. Uh, to its detriment for me, kind of split between um, the fleet and what's what was going on with a couple characters on Caprica um, throughout the first season. It was kind of intercutting between the two. And that kind of didn't really work for me that much, um, at least the first time I saw it. Um, and then now that I'm, I've watched season two, they've, they've kind of, they haven't abandoned, abandoned that, but they the uh the places have the pieces have moved into a place where they don't do that quite that often there's still some stuff going on in caprica but it's not as heavy as in season 1 and i think i think that that was very much to the show's um credit um there is a story arc in season 2 that i don't i don't know if i should really spoil it or, or bring it up really but um the pegasus arc Tony, do you remember this? It's been years since okay. I've watched that show. I need to. I need to get revisit it. Okay, so there is the there's an arc in season two where they basically, um, how to say it without really spoiling it. Um, there's an arc in season two that involves um, two commanding officers kind of going up against each other, essentially, okay. in a couple different like military uh, factions, kind of, kind of having this conflict between them. Um, unfortunately it's, it's like a three episode arc. I really like when it happened, I was like, this is hooking me back into the show. Like the, I am, I am all for this. And then when that kind of arc ended, I was like, they just, they just ended what could have been like a season long arc. <laughs> mm. And I think that that was kind of ballsy on their part. And it did make way for some interesting stuff in the end run of, of season two. But, um, was it Ty and Adama going at each other? No, it was, uh, Adama and, oh, what was her name? She was in season two of 24. Um, Michelle Forbes, character. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I really, it's, it's been okay. like five years Okay. or six years or more since I've watched the second season of, Sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's some really interesting stuff, uh, going on with that. And so I, uh, I'll report back when, probably when I finish season three down the road. I'm glad um, you're watching it. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really liking it. Nice. I, I really am. Um, and I'm watching it on Hulu. Cool. Yeah. And, uh, Tiny, you got one more thing? Yeah. Uh, the last thing I have to bring up is a new series from Netflix called The OA. Oh, yeah. OA. 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 Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, the show, the synopsis for it, is uh, having gone missing seven years ago, the previously blind Prairie returns home, now in her 20s, with her sight restored. While many believe she is a miracle, others worry that she could be dangerous. Um, the series is stars is written by and produced by uh, Britt Marling, mm -hmm. uh, who's an actress I've been following for uh, quite a few years now. I loved her her work in uh, movies like Another Earth, 
Mm-hmm. I Origins, The East. Right. Uh, I like those movies a lot. I remember so. you're a big fan of The East. Yeah, I like the. I think it made my top ten that year. That sounds about right. Or at least a honorable mention. So, sure. she's she's really great, and I'm I'm looking forward to. I've been looking forward to her career for a while. Been following her, and um, she's she's really great in this. Uh, she created and and uh, produced and wrote the show with a friend of hers. Uh, I'm. I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm just going to take a stab at it. Uh, Zal Batmanglish. I don't know if that's correct at all, but that's mm-hmm. how it's phonetically spelled. Um, he's also He also directed all the episodes. Um, so these two... I, I'm always a fan of projects where you have two people just completely taking the reins on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the acting, writing, producing, directing, that's... I think that's the sign. It, it can be the sign of a very good project. And, uh, and in this case, it absolutely worked out. Okay. Uh, I really love the first season. Some of the other um, notable uh, cast members are Scott Wilson uh, nice. from The Walking Dead. Uh, Jason Isaacs, who's one of my favorite character actors. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love everything I ever see him in. Um, and then there's uh, Phyllis Smith from uh, from The Office. Oh, really? Is great. I really liked her in this. Okay. Uh, and then there's several unknown actors who are phenomenal. Um Patrick Gibson really stands out. He's he's kind of like a troubled teenager uh, who kind of finds a path, if you will, uh, in the show. And I, I had never seen him, never even heard of him. He really stood out among some of the unknown actors. Um, the The show is it's it's very odd. I will say that it's okay. not. It's a little bit Twin Peaks ish kind of. Okay. You know, we it, it's it's odd. It's hard to get a grasp on it, but it's 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 a really it's a really crazy story. I mean, it's about this girl who gets her, she's blind and she gets her sight back and, um, it's very science fiction. It's very supernatural, um, existential. It's, it, it has this spiritual twist to it. It's, you know, uh, there's some religion in it. It's, it's really fascinating. Um, and unfortunately I think the weirdness will put some people off Mm -hmm. and, and that's really a shame because it's such a, it's such a cool story, you know. It, it involves a cast of people who are held captive for years in a in literal glass cages. Um, huh. It's it's real. It's really fascinating. It's it's weird, but man, it's just it's great. I just I, the characters are awesome. Um, you you can watch all. I think it's eight episodes. Yeah, all eight episodes, and you get some answers to some things, and you get you get more questions to things that you just have no idea what's going on. Um, but you feel like what, you know, what's going on. It's, it's really goofy. Like I, yeah. OA is the name. The OA is the name of Britt Marling's character. Oh, okay. Yeah. And there's no explanation huh. as to why she wants to be called the OA. Okay. It's, it's really odd and it has, man, it's, it's just really cool. It's something that you can't, it really, it really does not fit into a box. I mean, okay. it's, it's sci-fi, it's drama, I mean, it it just does not fit into a box. It's it's really its own thing, um, and I think people are connecting to that. So definitely check it out. I think it's, I think it's a really unique show, and uh, I'm glad that it's. I, I think it's gotten renewed for another season. Yeah, I don't know if it has or not, but that sounds really interesting. It sounds, uh, kind of vaguely the way you describe it reminded me of uh, Lost. So it is. It has some lost elements. It's kind of like Lost and the X Files had a baby. Nice. Yeah. Uh, it's with with a bunch of weirdness thrown in. Sweet. Yeah. Like um like it's like 
some it's like Lost and the X Files had a baby and Charlie Kaufman wrote it. Okay, <laughs> that's how I'll say nice. it. Nice. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll ta- I'll definitely have to check that out. Please do. I um kind of a, before I get into my last one, um that kind of reminds me like when listening to TV the book, um like God there there's so many times where I'm like fuck I really need to watch that show I really need to watch this show I really need to watch a show and uh, a couple of examples is one the X-Files I, I mean I'm I'm gonna dive into it here soon yeah probably right now I'm watching Battlestar Galactica and also I'm going through uh, Star Trek The Next Generation kind of at a slower pace mm-hmm. um, but as soon as I have like free time in my TV watching I mean the X-Files is on my list nice um, I'm not sure you'll like it because it's really it's super um, I know it has like monster of the week elements yeah it yeah. does it, but it does have some um, uh, some linear a linear story that follows through okay. the season and, and the series as a whole actually mm-hmm. but uh, I'm, I'm just not sure you'll be able to get through if it were on cable, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It only had like 10 or 13 episodes a season. I, sure. think, I think you'd be cool with it, but there's 20 plus episodes in a season. Yeah. It's, there's just a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did listen or I did watch uh, an episode written by uh, Vince Gilligan a while back um, Yeah, for, for anthology. And I really liked that episode as a standalone thing. So mm-hmm. um, I'll have to check it out. But uh, TV, the book, like... <laughs> I mean, they're like, I was sitting there thinking, like, I could make this like a project to like make sure it like watches as many of the shows on the list as I can. And I was like, maybe watch as many of the pilot episodes on this <laughs> list as I can. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And I mean, it, it was funny because I was actually sitting at uh, Panera Bread just, uh, just having coffee and making, uh, do, doing some work on, on my phone. Um, and I was listening to it and I got a text from Fekus. Um, uh, or what did he say? He said something and it was bizarre because he, it was him, it was his reaction to our, uh, uh, TV show episodes. Uh, he sent me a picture of a, uh, of a meme that showed the picture, a picture of, uh, the Godfather with, with, uh, I don't remember who that character is kissing Don Vito Corleone's ring. Mm-hmm. And the meme says, when your friend finally watches a show you kept telling them about and they love it. And uh, he sent that saying in reference to Black Mirror. Nice. <laughs> and uh, I said, I made you an offer you couldn't refuse or suggestion. I made you a suggestion you couldn't <laughs> refuse. Um, and then, uh, oh, yeah, so that's how it came up. He said, I'm just happy you didn't put a dead horse head in my bed. I said, well, with your refusal to watch The Shield, that's coming. Because <laughs> he said that he, uh, he actually said this off the mic when he was leaving for uh, after his last guest spot. Um, he said that he just, he kind of refuses to watch The Shield. I can't um, blame him. I, I really can't either. I, I really can't. Because, yeah. um, I mean, he is a police officer and, and it's, I don't know, well, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but it kind of seems like, I mean, it's a show about dirty cops and he just, he just doesn't, isn't interested in watching that. But, I mean, I would go so far as to say it doesn't necessarily glorify dirty cops. Yeah. I mean, it makes you, it's an anti-hero show. Yeah. But anyway, so he was, uh, he, I mentioned that they, I was when he brought that up. I was listening to them talk about um, the shield on uh, TV, the book. But anyway, that's funny. Yeah, so there are a ton of shows on the list that I'm going to have to check out. Um, but kind of a roundabout way to get to my point is that, um, like, they have referenced in the book so far. They've referenced several cop shows. 
Okay. Um, there's Hill Street Blues, NYPD Blue, um, Homicide, Life on the Streets, mm-hmm. um, and a couple others I can't remember. Miami Vice, The Shield, um, The Shield, yeah. But the the point is like those those four that I mentioned, um, I really want to watch them. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I really do. Like Hill Street Blues, NYPD Blue. I definitely want to watch those. I absolutely want to watch Homicide. Yeah. In the way that they talk about it, it makes me very interested in seeing them, and. It makes me really want to just kind of go in and like that compare that coupled with um, a f- couple months ago, I watched a couple episodes or the first episode of Adam 12. And like, I would love to like sit down and just watch like as many uh, like cop shows throughout the years and see how it evolved and everything. The problem is Hill Street Blues, the first three seasons are available on Hulu out of seven. Mm-hmm. Um, NYPD Blue used to be on Amazon Prime, but is no longer available. Um, um, oh, what was the third one I said? Oh, Homicide is freaking nowhere. Yeah, it's like, like you can buy the, you can buy the seasons on DVD, but I mean it's not available anywhere. Like I would freaking love it if someone bought the rights, the streaming rights to every like cop show and created a streaming service just for that niche. Yeah. That would be so cool. Awesome. Um, and then I also like, they were talking about law and order and I was like, I've never watched an episode of law and order in my life. Really? I never have. And just the way that it's structured makes me kind of want to check it out. Um, it's pretty, I've seen several episodes. It's, it's pretty entertaining. Yeah. See, and I think that I would like, I think I would like it, but also like when I was listening to them talk about it, all I thought was like, some like if it was available to stream somewhere i would love for someone obviously not us to create a podcast that just goes through law and order but the host would be like like uh like two hosts like a detective and like a a, a retired detective and a retired uh, prosecutor or something yeah dissecting law and order episodes like that would be <laughs> a really great podcast yeah but when i was uh, doing my criminal justice degree we actually mm-hmm. like i had a couple assignments where we had to watch episodes of Law and Order. Oh, nice. And it's because it is because it's such a procedural show. Mm-hmm. And I know that that can be, you know, taxing as a viewer to see something so right. procedural and it's not always fun, but it's, it's procedurally accurate. So mm-hmm. that's why we watched it in, in, uh, as part of our assignment for our show. And he was right. like, you know, our, our teacher was telling us like, you know, it's ridiculous because they solve every single crime and they solve it in 45 minutes. Right. He's like, but, they follow the steps of the, you know, they follow the steps of, ad- of adjudication mm-hmm. really religiously. So it's, nice. it's, it's a good learning tool for us and it's also really entertaining. So it's, I mean, I actually really enjoyed the episodes I had to watch for it. Nice. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. So eventually at some point in my life, I might watch it eventually. Cool. Who knows? There's um, plenty of it out there. Yeah. To- yeah. Definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, so again, another endorsement for TV the book. I mean, they like they their handling of the Cosby show in it and like their essay on it is really interesting. Really? Yeah, because it's not like they don't they don't do like the caveat of okay, he did some really horrible abominable things. But the show was great. Yeah. It's like it's more like a um a eulogy for the show because you can't watch it anymore because right. he's a fucking monster. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting the way that they handle that. But anyway, anyway, sidetrack aside, my last piece of uh, potpourri for this episode is actually The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Nice. Yeah. Um, with the um, state of the world right now, 
I kind of feel like I need to be a lot more informed. So I'm watching the daily show. I'm going to check out, uh, last week tonight. I'm following, uh, like reading a lot online and stuff just about events that are happening Yeah, because it's weird. Um, on that same note, by the way, uh, weekly check-in for he will not divide dot us. Um, <laughs> Shia LaBeouf was arrested. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. Which it's like, like, I think, I think on the podcast I mentioned that, that he's got trolls coming and, and talking like, causing a stir yeah. on it and it's like that in the interim between the recording of last week's episode and this week's episode that's gone just completely batshit it's like you've got people that are just in there for trolling trolling purposes only it's kind of killing the vibe um and like the the guy that had him arrested it's like it's the most bs thing it's like this guy was at the was at the he will not divide us wall he had his phone open with the with the front facing camera recording and he motioned shy over he's like oh hey shy come here and shy comes up thinking that it's like you know a fan he's just wanting to get a picture or something mm-hmm. then like the guy just said uh hitler did nothing wrong and then yeah and uh shy just pushed him away and walked away um and uh he got a he got like arrested for i don't think i don't think there were any charges brought on it but like he got arrested for it because he shoved the guy for saying it's like god just people are just fuck uh anyway anyway that's a weekly check-in for he will not divide dot us (laughs) but anyway um the daily show so i haven't watched the daily show with any in any regularity um since john stewart left Mm -hmm. if i'm being honest i am pretty I mean, I've, I've always been kind of apathetic with, with politics and everything and to a fault for sure. It's something I'm rectifying. Maybe that could be like my New Year's resolution to be more informed for the coming apocalypse. But, um, <laughs> so I've been watching Trevor Noah on The Daily Show and, you know, I mean, I, I've, I've, lo- I adored Jon Stewart. Jon Stewart was freaking unbelievable in He's the voice in of his, america he was oh yeah um and trevor noah is doing a really good job is he okay. yeah he is he's really fantastic he does a really great uh trump impression nice uh, that is so it's like there was a bit where uh that he was talking about how trump said that uh how he had that ridiculous press conference where he had all the files, like all the files on the, on the table saying like, these are all the paperwork that I did. And they did a great thing where they were like, you know, it's funny cause they've been working for weeks on this, on these papers and everything. And then they showed like a freeze frame of it and zoomed in. It's like, those are new pages. Like those are fresh papers. <laughs> and they were also like, and also if you look at the folders, none of them are labeled. <laughs> like he even put like, um, uh, what did he even put like conflict of interest on it? That's all you needed to do. <laughs> but no, these are fresh. It's like, it's ridiculous. Um, but then like he was talking about how Trump said that he's not going to, um, talk about the business to his sons at all. Right. And, uh, and, Trevor Noah said something to the effect of, like, oh, Trump. Actually, what if the only reason Trump ran for president was so that he wouldn't have to talk to his sons for four years? <laughs> Maybe that's what he did. That was the entire reason. Sorry, Eric, can't talk. Conflict of interest. <laughs> but, Dad, I just wanted to tell you I love you. Bye now. Bye. Bye. Get him out of here. Bye. 
I, anytime he goes into an impression like that, I, it just slays me. That's hilarious. Um, but yeah, but the, uh, but the actual Daily Show, it's really good. I'm, I kind of, and maybe this is, maybe I'm putting something into it that's not there, but I kind of feel like since Trevor Noah is still young and fresh to it, um, he's doing a lot more. Like I've noticed, I've been watching it for a few weeks now and it's, it's not as heavy on, and this may also because it's the new year and maybe they're, the correspondents are taking a break. Before what I've seen, like the course, like they don't have as many like correspondent segments throughout it. Hmm. Um, a lot of it is Trevor Noah just doing it the whole thing. Nice. Um, and sometimes they have two guests, so they have instead of a segment after the break for for correspondence and everything, they just have the first guest and then the second guest. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really liking it. I'm really enjoying it, and uh, I'm really terrified (laughs) (laughs) nice yeah it's uh it is it is what it is but we're not a political podcast it's uh you know you know whatever i i have yet to give trevor noah a chance i highly i highly recommend it yeah i I literally have not watched a complete episode since john stewart left and it was it was just because it's literally impossible for him to fill his shoes Mm -hmm. and like i held john stewart in the highest of esteem right like he was he's like a once once in a lifetime kind of commentator in, yeah. in my book once in a lifetime intellect i think mm-hmm. um and so i was just like I, I remember when i started geez probably five six years ago i started recording every episode of the daily show yeah and i watched all four episodes every week um, oh yeah for a long time and i remember thinking you know john stewart's only like 48 49 mm-hmm. 50 he's gonna do this till he's 65 he's gonna right. be around forever and i'm gonna be there for so much of it this is gonna be great <laughs> and then he retired and like it, i was just like really bummed out by that i'm not criticizing him for it like mm-hmm. i completely understand his reasons for doing so but i was just like crushed by it and i wasn't yeah. i just was not like emotionally or mentally prepared to revisit the show. Right. Um, I'm not being critical of anyone at all. Sure. It's just my own personal over shortcomings. And so mm-hmm. it, at some point I'm going to need to watch it again. Right. And, and really I've seen some segments and stuff and I've liked mm-hmm. Trevor Noah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I can't speak on, speak to him as a whole. I guess. Yeah. I, I can respect that. I actually, I was all prepared to just, uh, before you said, I've seen segments. I, Cause one of the things that I really respect about it is that, they are they are kind of having a good command of social media with this with Trevor Noah and on the Daily Show. Um, I'm, they're they're really good about posting like clips and everything mm-hmm. on Facebook and everything. So yeah, I mean it, he's he's really he's really uh, doing really well. And uh, I'm gonna yeah. have to give him a chance. Yeah, uh, you don't have Hulu, do you? I don't. Oh, okay, because I they have all the episodes on Hulu after oh, damn. the day after it airs. But you got one of those fancy DVRs, don't you? Yeah, we got the cables. Oh, nice. We got the nice. cable. And you can also, I mean, since you subscribe to Comedy Central, you can download the Comedy Central app. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I recommend it um, nice. to check that out. Uh, so yeah, so that, I think, it, Tiny, is that is that going is that going to do it for this week's uh, I think that'll do her. Sweet. Um, okay, awesome. So... That does it for this week's episode. Next week is episode 203, or maybe 204 if we have a special bonus episode devoted to the Dark Tower trailer that, please, God, is going to come out. Please. That's going to be my Super Bowl this year. Right. Is looking for that trailer. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Uh, So um, next week, I mean, we talked about having uh, Tony and... Tommy on for for by the rights, but I don't know if if that'll materialize or if we'll have to push that a week or so. Um, kind of a 
thought here that I have in my brain, Tiny. Um, do you do you want to maybe do a do a do a um uh what do you call it a um, Netflix picks? Netflix picks. I almost messaged you with that earlier today. Oh, nice. We should do that in the future. Sweet. Uh, and do you want to do just where we switch where we each take each other's phones? Okay, absolutely. Nice. Ignore all the porn. Yes. Okay, I have Netflix loaded. Actually, speaking of that, I uh. Speaking of porn? Sort of. Oh, okay, good. Th- there was a documentary on Netflix called Escorts. Okay. That was about escorts. Mm-hmm. And I watched it. Nice. And I just forgot that, you know, Paige and I share a Netflix account. She was like, <laughs> why did you watch a movie called Escorts? And oh, I was like, that's awesome. Wait, wait, you know, I genuinely wasn't watching it for perverted <laughs> reasons. But, sure. You know. You guys don't have separate profiles? We do. She just doesn't use hers. Oh. Pisses me off. Because I have fucking Gilmore Girls showing up in my, God. you know, and like. You should because you watch Gilmore Girls. You should watch mm. this bullshit or whatever. You know. <laughs> to to be fair, I have had a uh, request come in for me to watch Gilmore Girls, so I may actually watch it. That's really okay. yeah. Yeah, I've talked about it before. It's right, right. I don't hate the show. There's my list there. Okay, here's mine. Okay, and then I'm gonna. All right, uh, we're gonna pick. Uh, we're each gonna pick one from the others list. Um, and then have that be our Netflix picks. Yeah, I'll go ahead and go with that. This, uh, okay, do you want me to introduce mine and then you do yours? Yeah. Okay. So my pick for you to watch for next week's episode is a movie that made my top 10 list in 2015. Okay. Believe it was number six. And that movie is Victoria. Okay. Yes. Nice. And uh, do me a favor, when you watch it, do not read the plot description. Okay. Do you remember anything about this movie? I don't even remember who's in it. Okay. Well, yeah, you wouldn't. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a Spanish film, I believe. Okay. Um, yeah, don't read anything about it. Okay. Don't just click it, watch it. It's two hours, 18 minutes, though. 10-4. Um, but yeah, watch Victoria and let me know what you think. Oh, I'm so excited. Please, please don't read anything about okay. it. Okay, okay. At all. 10-4. Oh, that's such a cute background. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, for you, since you want to be more politically informed, uh-oh. and since Peter Capaldi just announced he's leaving Doctor Who, Doctor Who oh. I am selecting for you uh, Armando Iannucci's 2005 political comedy, or 2009 political comedy, In the Loop. Nice! I've seen it. It's funny. Very nice. Yeah. I've been very interested in seeing that. It's a good one. Sweet! Cool. All right. Awesome. We have our assignments, Tiny. Yes, we do. Nice. Next week, we are going to be talking about In the Loop and Victoria, Totes. which are both available on the Netflixes. Um, yeah, sweet. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, uh, that about does it for this week's episode of The Obsessive Viewer. Tune back in next week for our Netflix Picks episode, which will be episode 203 freaking amazing yeah um and if you like what you've heard from this podcast uh and you want to support us the easiest way to do that would be to head over to itunes and leave a rating and review the more ratings and reviews that we get the easier it will be for people to find the show in itunes as search results um and the easier it will be for for us to be you know prominent in that in that in the search results when people type like movie and tv podcasts you know having more ratings and reviews can can really bump us up and that's really appreciated 
Um, if you want to be particularly generous and want to show your support with your wallet, you can do that by clicking the donate button, which is located at obsessiveviewer.com for a one-time donation, or by clicking the donate link in the show notes of this episode. You can also go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer to become a patron for a recurring, recurring payment, um, where you can choose from different reward tiers, uh, one of which is the $5 will get get us to say anything you want, no matter what the content. Um, Any and all donations made will help pay the fees to keep the podcast running so that we can continue to provide you with our podcast each week without going broke. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so uh, having said all that, guys, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. I'm on the cusp of a yawn. Cusp is a fun word. It is. Cusp of a yawn is like my autobiography <laughs> title. <laughs> On the cusp of a yawn. <laughs> That's great. Oh, thank you. Okay, sorry. <laughs> All right, you're fine. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at Matt, Tiny, or Mike at ObsessiveViewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at ObsessiveViewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at ObsessiveViewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer and follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, ObsessiveBookNerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at TheSecularPerspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.